Middle cough. Hey, be hey. Big show today. You want to catch a wolf? You got to be a wolf. <laughs> That's right. Ow! Joel Klatt, before he went to head out to Ohio State for practice, joined us on the podcast. How great is this? Can't wait, man. Can't wait. Well, I can because we already talked to him, but uh, you guys will get to hear it now. It's fun. Good talk. Before we, field talk. before we dive in, don't forget we'll have the mailbag coming up at the end of the week. Uh, go to the iTunes page. Leave us a question in your review. Five stars. And that's how you get in the mailbag. Yep. Also, uh, we're going to do we're going to be live during the draft. <clears throat> so go to Haberman Middlecoff. We have a lot of separate content up this week on the Haberman Middlecoff YouTube channel. That's where we'll be on draft night. Uh, it's where we'll post. You know, sometimes we do live podcasts now. I guess we've done it once, but yeah. we'll continue to do it. Uh, middle, uh, the mailbag will be up a little later. What day is today? Thursday, Wednesday. I had my lots of days. Be up Friday, Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Maybe yeah, we'll do it Saturday. on Friday, post the podcast on, um, on Saturday. Uh, yeah. And something else I was going to say about that. Oh yeah. Wednesday, we put up a couple of videos watching Justin Fields throw and uh, something about that John Beck uh, article that Barrows wrote. That's really interesting. That's on the uh, YouTube channel as well. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Can't. Wait, let's get to it, man. Let's get right to it. This Joel Klatt carries this podcast. Here we go. John, it is great to have the face of Fox College football and year by year by year on that, getting that Herb Street level. When you think about the biggest opinions in college football, you think about Joel Klatt. And so it's great to have him on the uh, on the show today, getting ready for NFL Network, uh, NFL draft coverage. And uh, Joel, we appreciate it. It's just we're just three baseball guys talking football. <laughs> that's exactly right uh i tell people all the time they're like well you know like what are you and i'm like i'm just a failed minor league baseball player that's all i am <laughs> everything after that was just like uh trying and striving but uh yeah love it thanks for having me fellas uh good to good to see you both well we, we appreciate it yeah john go ahead well, I was going to say, uh, how long did you do the, you do the pre and post game for the Rockies? I did. Um, uh, <laughs> you like, you like that. Um, I did it for a year and a half and I had no prior hosting experience. And the, the, actually the executive director at, at the time it was root sports. But when I first got my start in like broadcasting, it was the same guy's name's Ken Miller. And so Ken Miller calls me one day, just a quick story. And it's like all the way back in 2006, the fall of 2006, I had just been released by the lions. I'm back home. And he's like, Hey, my analyst got sick. I need you to come do a high school football game. Cause he knew I was in town and I was like, I, you know, I didn't do broadcasting in school. Like I'm not a broadcaster. I like, I have no interest in broadcasting. He's like, no, no, no. You need to help me out. Uh, my analyst is sick. I got a high school football game. So I did it. He said like, Hey, I think you should do this a few more times. And he kept just giving me jobs without me asking him. So he just, he kept being like, Hey, next Thursday, you're going to get a game. And I was like, Ken, I'm busy. No, 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 no. You got to come do a game. And, and so fast forward, he kept doing that. He kept doing that. Now fast forward, uh, all of a sudden I'm in broadcasting. Now I've got a radio show in Denver and he calls me and he's like, Hey, um, you're going to host the Rockies pre and post game. I'm like, Ken, I'm not a host. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
And he's like, well, uh, you're putting me in a bind because I actually, you know, already made the change. So you're the host. Congratulations. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, what are you talking about? So anyways, yes, I was the host for Rockies pre and post. It it feels like Denver is one of those places when people from the outside come there for work or whatever. I mean, Peyton Manning's a good example. They just stay like this place is freaking awesome. (laughs) I mean, I I was born and raised there um, and. I thought we thought we would be there forever, my wife and I. And then, you know, Fox had me move out to the Los Angeles area and then kind of on a whim, we moved down to Orange County. And and now I'm like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> the weather's too good. I can play golf all year round. I so uh, I've got that feeling as well. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it, it's important. Like the the story on, on Herbie, right, is that Herbie did one – season of sidelines then they put them on college game day your story is very different like you grinded doing a bunch of stuff that did not say this guy's about to become the face of fox college football uh right i mean did did it feel like a did it feel like you were kind of beating the bushes as we like to say minor league baseball terminology yeah i think it's i did i did and i was fortunate enough to do and be asked to do a lot of things right so i did high school football games then all of a sudden i was doing the I was an analyst for the Rockies pre and post game show for a little bit. Then I was doing the Big analyst. 12 studio. Hold yes. on, you were the analyst for the Rockies. Well, because I, I had played minor league baseball, right? So I was an analyst for a year. Then I went down and I was a, a studio analyst for the Big 12 at Fox Sports Southwest. Then I started doing radio stuff. Then I was hosting. Then when Fox first kind of moved me to LA, I hosted the NFL show on Sunday morning. Then I would do the game breaks. Then I would host the NFL show on Tuesday. Then I would do a Thursday night college football game. Then I would be an analyst on the desk in studio on Saturday. So I was very much the utility player. But I always, anytime anybody asked me, in particular um, executives, like, what do you want out of your career? I would always tell them, and I was very frank and upfront, like my main goal was to be a network's lead college football announcer, right? So like that's, this has been my goal the entire time. And I was willing to do whatever it took to get here. Um, But I thought it was really important. And I think, by the way, this is in a lot of professions, know where you want to go, like have a goal. And that was my goal. And I made it known to the executives and and lo and behold, it worked out. You know, you're probably a little older than us, but we grew up on a generation. So did you have guys that played baseball and football? You know, and mm-hmm. the select few that made it to the bigs and the NFL. But the guys, and I think Kyler kind of brought it back up for all of us that grew up in the 80s or the 90s. Like, he had to choose. You know, yeah. we live in the Bay Area and Billy Beans in our backyard. And he kind of took somewhat of a flyer. I don't think anyone viewed him as the ninth overall pick. But ultimately, Kyler's love was football. And it was more lucrative. And you go right to the show in football. You don't have to go to the minor leagues. Did you have a true – I mean, is it safe to say that football was your love more than baseball? You were just better at baseball? Or how did that whole thing kind of play out? Yeah, I think that that's really very accurate, actually. Um, and I played basketball all the way through high school. So I was a three-sport guy. Um, my best sport was baseball. I was just a really good baseball player. Um, what position do you play? What's that? What position in baseball did you play? I was In high school, I was a shortstop. You no, know, I went to the minor leagues. I was a third baseman. So, and, you know, I, and I had an opportunity and I was recruited very lightly 
uh, from a football sense out of high school and everybody, whether it was baseball or football programs, all thought I was going to play the other sport, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so everyone was handling me uh, with kick gloves. I ended up signing with the Padres in, in large part because I retained eligibility. Now, having said that, when I quit baseball and went back, it wasn't a baseball football decision as much as it was a lifestyle decision. I was like, listen, I don't want to be 25, 26 years old without a degree. And so I'm going to go back and go to school. And then I just happened to walk on the football team. That's why I ended up at Colorado. Uh, I, I never thought that I would play at Colorado. I was like, I'm going to try to go to the best school I can. I wanted to come back closer to home after, you know, tooling around Medicine yeah. Hat Canada and, and Montana for a couple of years. Um, so I wanted to get my degree. And then and then after that, I was like, well, I might as well walk on while I'm here. I, I have all, all my eligibility. And then after the first week, I was like, oh, wow, I learned a lot of lessons playing professional baseball. They're going to pay dividends here. And I knew right then that I was going to be able to outwork some guys and that football was not a minimum skill level sport like baseball is. But football is much more a schematic sport. You can apply yourself mentally. You can understand the game and you can have success with effort and drive. And, and, I, and I realized that kind of quickly. And so sure enough, um, I was able to have success, you know, at, at Colorado. You know, you let's uh, self belief is a common thread, I think, with a, with quarterbacks. And John and I talk about it a lot with Trey Lance, who uh, had basically an offer from Minnesota to be a safety, and dis- insisted I want to be a quarterback. And Justin Fields, mm-hmm. who insisted I want to play football this year, we're going to find a way to play football this year at Ohio State. I think it's safe to say nobody prepared for Justin Fields. No defensive coordinator in the Big Ten prepared for Justin Fields more than Joel Klatt. You called ten Ohio State games. Fields yeah. and Ohio State, not shockingly, went 10-0, 2-0 in Big Ten title games with Klatt in the building. In 2019, you called seven Ohio State games in 2019. I mean, that's first They rate, guy. They rate. Big noon kickoff from the horseshoe. <laughs> only only two of those were road games. So what, can we go back like to the beginning of 2019? Fields is the starter. You've got – at that that week one was FAU, and then you had him week three, then you and then you had him a ton at the end of the year. But, like, what did you think of Fields then? What was your early impression of Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback? So let me go back even further, if you don't mind, because yeah. um, I actually went out – and it's funny, you're catching me at, like, a very similar time. Tomorrow I'm going to go out to Columbus and watch a spring practice. And I do so many of their games that whenever they're going to have a new quarterback, I go out and I watch them in spring. So I'm going to go do that um, for a practice this week. Well, I did that a couple of years ago when Justin had just transferred in. Okay. So I wanted to see him. I hadn't seen him yet in person. Uh, this was going to be Ryan Day's first year. So I was like, I need to go check it out. I knew Ryan, obviously, because we had done games prior when he was a coordinator, but I went out and he and I were standing on the sidelines watching Justin in spring football. And, and guys, he was very much a work in progress, right? So it wasn't like I walked in the building and was like, wow, like this is this team. In fact, I remember leading into that season, I thought to myself, I was like, this might be the year Michigan can compete because they were losing Urban Meyer. They were losing a first-round quarterback. They were, I mean, they were losing so much. They were losing a defensive coordinator, you know? And I thought to myself, man, this is going to be a lot to replace. And then they went out there, and I, I watched them 
through the summer and then they get to FAU and it took me one series and I was like, wow. You know, so I saw this development from spring to that first game and he took off one of the first series. He took off on like a 51 yard touchdown run. Like he was walking. And I thought to myself, okay, this is, this is going to be really special. Um, One of the things that coach day and I always talked about is that he, he had to get him from being just a great athlete, which he obviously is, to a guy that was going to command the schematics from the pocket. So I call it manipulating the game or owning the game from the pocket. And there's a difference between a guy that can own the game with his athleticism and own the game with his mind. There's a difference, right? Now, some guys that are, are really good can start to do both. Mahomes. But Fields, yeah. And so so Fields, I started seeing him progress through those seven games, get to the second and third guy in, in, in the progression, know when to take off and run, know when to burn the ball, know how to throw the ball short, you know, and throw the dart on uh, on target and on time so that he could produce yak. Know how to get the ball in the media, intermediate zones. Know how to get the ball down the field. Understand the situation and the feel of the game. This is what I think goes completely unnoticed when we're talking about draft evaluations is, is generally guys do it all off tape. And if you're just doing it off tape, you lose the feel of the game, right? You lose the, op- the opposition's possession. You, you lose what's the feeling in the building. What's, like, what's going on? that influences the play of the quarterback. And I was always so impressed in person, understanding the situations and the feel of the game, because I always felt like he had ownership of the game at all times. Maybe the only time I felt like he didn't was against Indiana. And, and I'll get to that in a moment this last year, but I can't even remember what you asked me to start with, but that was kind of the first year. I just, I saw this guy progress and have ownership of the game from the pocket to the point where against Michigan, he just killed them, killed them, guys. And he wasn't even 100%. And he just eviscerated that defense. He goes to the Big Ten championship game. It was much of the same against a good Wisconsin team, I believe, that year. So I was so high on him. I was like, listen, I think they're going to beat Clemson. I thought they were going to be a great matchup with LSU. And quite frankly, you know, I still think if Sean Wade's not thrown out of the game, they probably beat Clemson in that semifinal. But that was kind of the first year for me with, with fields is going from a guy that I thought was a work in progress to at the end of the year, you know, he was as good as anybody in college football. John, let's tell the people about geology.com slash ham, where you can get 40% off your personalized skincare routine, just like us. Yep, guy. Go to geology.com slash ham. Here's the thing. Guys, face wash. You know, I'd say historically we're more likely to use Dove soap than the stuff's our wives, significant others. They, they always have the great products. We have the crappy products. That's where geology realizes men need to wash their face with good stuff. They also need to figure out what kind of skin types they have. That's why you go to geology.com slash ham. Take a little questionnaire. You figure out what you need, whether you need an exfoliant, whether you need a face wash, whether you need some more morning cream some night cream and uh 
And yeah, they send it yeah, to you. It's pretty deal. Acne, pretty easy, forty percent off. Wrinkles, dark circles, oil, dry skin. They break it down for you. That's right. Battle tested at the proper formulations. More than two hundred and fifty thousand guys have taken the diagnostic, including us. So join us. Forty percent off your first purchase of a trial set. Geology.com slash ham. That's geology.com slash ham. I, I think you bring up a good point. When I got sent out to the road when I was working for the Eagles, it was mandated if you had a draftable quarterback that you saw him in person. And I know my friends that work on different teams, that's a thing. I mean, you have to, if you have a, especially, you know, a high level guy like this, because there's so much more than just sitting in a room by yourself with some country music on in the background, watching the all 22, right? Feeling yeah. the guy's presence, watching the guy throw. And that's where you get, especially this year, right? Cause guys, I, I guess depending on the team, they were able to sit in the stands or whatever. But it was much more difficult than if you missed Justin Fields last year to maybe get to a game this year. Maybe by the time the championship games came around, but yeah, this, probably doesn't this do him justice was, watching him on film. Here's what here's what you're not going to get on film. You know, if you just if you got you know to your point, if you got your country music and you're just like, oh, you know, he had a couple of games that I just didn't love this year. I think that that is a total miss. It's a total miss, um, partly because I think Northwestern and Indiana, the game you brought. I mean, yeah, those are those are the people. games everyone refers to. Yeah, those are the games, and I did both of them, by the way. Um, here's what you miss: even to get onto the field, he had to be the most influential person in the Big Ten. That's a lot to put on your shoulders, right? Um, yeah. And he pushed, and he pushed really hard. They had to push really hard. The Big Ten did not want to play football, guys. I'm just telling you right now, this was not a case where this conference was trying to do everything that they could to get on the field. That was not the case. Just wasn't. Right? Like, this was Ohio State taking massive swings, right? And I'm not talking about in a bad way, but just pressure, pressure from the president to their medical staff, to their head coach. And it all started. You know why those people for Ohio State started doing that? Because of Justin Fields. This is what I think people totally fail to realize. Like Ohio State did that because Fields said, I want to play. Like we want to play. We need to get onto the field. And so they pressed and pressed and pressed. Trust me, Nebraska was not going to get them back onto the field this year, right? As much as they screamed out loud, remember? I mean, and I was, trust me, I love Scott yeah, Frost. I liked it. I liked it too. But I mean, Fields has more uh, use. We, we, all, State liked, more we use. all liked it. But like the reason they played football was because of Justin Fields. Okay. So that's number one. Here's number two. And I think this is the human element that you lose on film is I know for a fact he, and the entire team for Ohio State was pressing hard because they saw all these other teams play for two, three, maybe even four weeks before they played, maybe even longer. I think some had like five or six games under their yeah, belt. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and Fields wanted in on the national championship conversation. They knew that they didn't have the leeway of being, you know, of just saying like, well, we win all our games and we're going to be in because there was always going to be an argument about, well, you didn't play enough games. Right. So they were pressing hard and he pressed more in, in this season on the field than he did in the previous season because he wanted to make things happen. He held the ball a little bit longer for bigger plays um, against Indiana. He made some 
really erratic throws and decisions because he was pressing. He wanted he wanted to win the Heisman Trophy and the national championship on every snap. And that's yeah. impossible to do, right? And I talked with Coach Day about this, you know, a long time. And I'm not saying that like that that should give him a total pass for this year, but I think context is important, right? How would you feel if you had you were five games under where everyone else was playing, and you felt like you had to make up massive ground every single time that you snapped the football or went out on the field? Then they started losing games because of COVID protocols. I mean, it was it was a strange year, man. It was a very strange year. Uh, and then the other part that they just don't talk about is that Chris Olave wasn't on the field uh, against Northwestern. And Olave really made them tick on the outside. He was the best route runner. He got the most separa- separation. And they just never were able to recreate that. And part of what then made them so successful against Northwestern was the fact that Justin was a willing runner, that Justin was able to get them into the right run calls, and they started running the football right down the throat of the Wildcats. To the tune, I think Trey Sermon, well, I know he set an Ohio State record. He passed Eddie George's single-game record in that Big Ten championship game. You know, that's nothing to scoff at. The quarterback handles the run game as well. I think it's always funny. It's like, listen, the quarterback is so much more than his stats that day. Right. I think you guys understand that. I think most people understand that. But I've seen quarterbacks have amazing numbers and I thought they played awful because they didn't check into the right protections. They weren't checking into the right run plays. You know, they didn't play well on third down. But lo and behold, they had great, you know, regular down numbers. And so you look up and it's like, oh, man, he threw for 320 yards. It's like, well, I mean, so what? Let's be honest. Like, uh, I thought controlling the game. Uh, was a big strength of of fields this this last year, and in particular in the, those two games that that people would say he struggled. It's also the other thing I give him credit for, based on everything you said, was you interviewed him before the Big Ten title game, and he said to you in the interview, "I was pressing in the Indiana game. That's what happened. That's not going to happen to me again." And then it sounds like you think what happened in the Northwestern game is pretty explainable. Northwestern also happened to be top five in scoring defense, so it's not like. Northwestern was running a bunch of. They had a well, squad yeah. this year. Yeah, but yeah. Well, by the way, and they have a corner that's a great player. You know, he's going to get selected. But guy, part of the reason why his numbers were so pedestrian against Northwestern is because he learned the lesson from Indiana. See, again, this is the context of just the flow of the season. So he forces it against Indiana a few different times and throws some picks. Guess what he didn't do against Northwestern? He didn't force it. You just let the offense go and win the game. So to me, that shows growth. Other people are like, man, that Northwestern game, I don't know. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, so he learns his lesson. He manages a great game. Um, homeboy, I can't think of his name right now. The corner's name is uh, Newsom, I believe. Greg Newsom for Northwestern. I've got a million guys in my head right now. Uh, he makes a one-handed Greg interception. Greg second. Yep. Yeah, it was, in, it was an incredible go. play. Yeah incredible play the ball's perfect like yeah. you can't you walk to the sideline as a quarterback and you're like well I, man, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you the ball's perfect um and then he didn't force it so when i walked out of the building i can remember talking with gus after the game and i was like and he was like well you know justin's probably not going to win the heisman and i'm like no but i thought he played really well tonight because again it's just like it's so much more than just individual numbers but Unfortunately, you know, we get wrapped up in the numbers, I think, too often. 
Well, I mean, out here, I think a good example, you've got to do a lot of high-level quarterbacks the last three or four years, guys who were drafted really high. And I'd say the best offensive mind that games that you get to call is Lincoln Riley, right, mm-hmm. at Oklahoma, who's widely considered kind of the offensive genius of college football. We're lucky in the Bay Area to have Kyle Shanahan, who's kind of viewed at yeah. that. And the one thing's clear with Lincoln – you can give him Baker. You can give him Kyler. Now he's got Rattler. It, it comes in all shapes and sizes. Tend to be a little shorter, but uh, I'm sure he'd do fine with a taller guy. And they're going to be awesome. I think we say the same thing about Kyle. So I take Justin Fields. I give him to Kyle Shanahan. It's safe to say if you were a betting man, you would put your money on that being pretty successful. No doubt. I I think that's who they should draft, personally. Um and if he's there, I think that it's – they're lucky. <laughs> now, I, they might not take him, and Fields may slip. And I, But, guys, I mean, he, he, is, he is everything that you want. Everything that you want. Did you know – here's what people don't know about him is that, you know, he gets a lot of flack because of what Haskins is doing um, in the NFL. I think that's fair, right? Everyone's like, oh, same system – Day was the offensive coordinator. Maybe his numbers were inflated, just like maybe um, Dwayne Haskins' number numbers were inflated. Um, totally different offenses, first of all. Maybe not from a schematic standpoint, but from an attacking standpoint. Um, Haskins was ranked in the 40s. I believe he was 41st or 42nd in the Power Five in – in terms of the percentage of his passing yards that came through the air, okay, to the catch point. Almost everything that Haskins did relied on yards after the catch. Guys like Terry McLaren, Paris yeah. Campbell, you remember those fast players, right? So they were a dink and dunk, and he would just kind of like get it out really quickly. If there was anyone that didn't throw a lot of second and third man in the progression, it was Dwayne Haskins, right? But he didn't have the athleticism of fields, so he didn't get labeled as a guy that didn't progress through the offense. It's, it's a total fallacy. Total fallacy. Justin Fields, for back-to-back seasons, was the Power 5 leader in passing yards through the air. Over 70% of his yards and production came through the air. He is as accurate of an intermediate and down-the-field passer as anybody I've seen in college football. And I saw Baker, and I thought Baker was hyper-accurate down the field. Fields is hyper-accurate down the field, right? Like, you don't do it. He was, again, number one in the Power Five. Totally different from Dwayne Haskins. By the way, guess what you cannot do down the field? Just be a single-read guy. It wasn't just play action. They were doing a lot of different reads. They run a lot of read routes from the middle. This is something else that gets lost on game on game tape is that they would send Olave, who's very smooth, down the middle of the field, and they would run middle read routes. Well, part of the deal for a quarterback is that if you're going to run an intermediate or deep middle read route, you got to hold the football, right? Like that's part of your coaching point. It's like you're going to have to buy yourself some time. And he can do that because he's 200 and close to 30 pounds. He's strong. Tacklers, you know, tend to fall off of him. So I just like I wanted to bring that context to your conversation of like, do you really think a a one read guy leads the power five in back to back years in yard production um, to the catch point air air production, if you will? I you know, it's it's just something to think about because 
where I come from, to throw the ball down the field, you've got to read defenses incredibly well. You've got to understand how to change your trajectory and your touch uh, in order to throw the ball accurately. There's a lot of things that go into it. And this is, again, I just don't get it, guys. I, I like this whole thing about like, well, Fields is slipping. I'm like, really? Like, Since he for, played his last who? game. What's that? Since he played, like Zach Wilson passed him after Zach Wilson's season ended. Which is, well, I don't, I don't want to disparage Wilson. I'm not, not going to because I think Wilson is a insanely talented player. You guys see it, right? Like we all see it. I mean, guys, Zach, Zach Wilson had a significantly better year in a year in which he didn't play a Power 5 opponent. Now, he did play really well against Power 5 opponents in previous seasons, right? Against, I think it was Tennessee and USC. Um, but here's a guy, I have a lot more questions about what he's going to do in an NFL system because this guy played against competition that was subpar, I would say, and general generalized. He played behind a great offensive line, and he would rely on his arm a lot. And I get nervous when I see guys that just rely on their arm talent because it better be ultra special to succeed at the next level. Maybe his is, but you know he didn't show the intermediate accuracy that Fields did, I, I don't think. He didn't show the down-the-field ability that Fields did. Now, he might have a bigger arm and more arm talent, but that's a different conversation than – how do you own the intermediate and deep parts of the field as a passer? Remember, this is the, we don't go to the NFL to throw the football. We go to the NFL to pass the football. There's a big difference. And, and I think Fields, um, at least to me, I always thought he was pretty clearly the second-best quarterback. I think it's wild that people are putting him down at four and sometimes even five. I think it's wild. Well, well there's nothing Zach Wilson has on his resume that can hold a candle to Fields' game against Clemson, who was this absolute powerhouse with 25 million people watching, six touch, an absolute clinic. And then he gets injured, 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 and then he plays Alabama, who's one of the great teams, probably, I mean, easily the best team this year, and has a yeah. rough game, but so does everybody. you know. But in that, yeah. that game against Clemson, who many people thought might win the national championship – he destroyed. I mean, yeah. it, it was like he looked like Patrick Mahomes or something. I mean, it was it was yeah. it was a clinic. It, that was as good of a game as he played. Um, and again, you know, coming on the heels of a game in which everyone said that he struggled, when I thought like he actually managed the game pretty well, um, I think that it's it's frowned upon in many circles when you say like, hey, sometimes a quarterback just has to manage the game. Tom Brady is the greatest game manager I've ever seen. Ever. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't make great plays because he does. But he also is the greatest game manager I've ever seen. Any of us. Wasn't, Mon wasn't Montana the same thing? I mean, Mon yeah, I think that that's a great point. Uh, so, you know, I think Zach Wilson's really, really talented. Um, I think Trey Lance is really, really talented. Trey Lance averaged 18 passing attempts per game in his one season as a starter at the FCS level, how how in the world is that comparable to Justin Fields and what he did for two straight years? John, let's tell the people about RexMD. That's oh. R-E-X-M-D.com slash ham. RexMD. A lot of men's health issues have real simple solutions, and RexMD.com slash ham is a real simple solution to a common problem. Guy, let's face it, us guys, we, we get a little nervous when it comes to the doctor. We get a little nervous when it comes to issues that plague us men. 
and you know you get you, it's hard to talk to people about it. Well, the great part about RexMD, you got erectile dysfunction. It's something that impacts a lot of men, especially over 40. The older you get, it starts impacting you. You are not alone, and that's where RexMD.com slash ham can help you out. You just go to the website, and you know you t- get to talk to a physician one-on-one. They have the best products at the cheapest prices. It's hard to beat, guys. It's all over the interweb. This little yep. thing called the internet. You ever heard of it? I mean, heard it's of pretty it. easy. Just a quick medical questionnaire on the website. The doctor reviews your situation, prescribes you the ED medication you need, if appropriate, then the medications ship right to your door with free two-day shipping. Like John said, they've got all the most popular medications. Right now, never been easier to take control of your health. The sample pack prescriptions that we mentioned, sample pack prescriptions available at rexmd.com slash ham. So go to rex, rexmd.com slash ham to get started with rexmd, rexmd.com slash ham. By the way, earlier you you kind of smiled when John mentioned the Shanahan's. You you were at Colorado when Mike took over in Denver. Do you know Do you know Kyle or do you know Mike or what's the Yeah, what's I the mean crossover? I do. In fact, Kyle and I mutually have a great a great friend. So I've known Kyle for a long time. It's one of those things. Do you guys have those those guys? There's a couple of guys like this that you like you knew as a kid or at a stage in like college and then you see how successful they become and you're like I'm like, I saw, I saw that kid do some really dumb and immature things, right? And now he's like the head coach of the Niners and everyone's raving. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I see it. But to me, you know, Kyle, he might think the same thing when he sees me on the air, you know. And, and uh, But so I've known Kyle for a long time. So you went to parties in Austin? Is that is that what the situation was? <laughs> no, like D- Denver, man. I'm talking like, okay. like pre-college. You know, this is. Uh, you guys ran in the same high school circles? There was, yes, there was, there was a few crossings. And, and where did people go? Like John and I, Davis, where we grew up, used to go to the barn uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Where did, where did you guys go? Um, so he went to Cherry Creek and I went to Pomona and, you know, Cherry Creek was a bit of the hoity-toity school, you know, and, and us Pomona, we were the Pomona Panthers. <laughs> we were blue collar. We were very blue collar. So it was one of those things where, where, where like wherever they went, we didn't want to be caught dead going there because then then we lost some of our blue collar edge. <laughs> so I'd imagine you're on some text change then because, I mean, the Niners are one of the biggest stories in, a, in the sporting world with this trade. W- what is your text messages? Where's the vibe? You know, people that, you know, you're one degree of separation. Are you texting Kyle? You got any inside well, information? I shoot, I haven't. I, I don't want to make it sound like Kyle and I are like buddies because, and not that we're not buddies, but we crossed paths when we were young. So I knew, like, I knew him and of him when he was young. You know, mutual people. We know a lot of mutual people. I could. There's one degree of separation if I really wanted, and I have not. I have not used that bullet, by the way, yet. I've probably. I've tried to refrain, but I'm probably going to use it. Um, I'm closer to John, actually, John Lynch, because of our time together with Fox. Yeah. Um, and I think John's done a great job. Great job. Um, and they're set up, man. I got to tell you, this this to me, I thought what was so brilliant is not necessarily who's going to be your quarterback, but the timing of the contract, right? Like Garoppolo is not going to be their quarterback in the future. And they have a number of really – great young players that it looks like now they're going to be able to keep on their second deal because they're going to have a quarterback that's on a rookie deal. 
right? So you just extend this window, the Super Bowl window. I can't, I, I think Steve Young made that point. Um, but I thought that was from a financial standpoint, maybe even more so than like, oh, is Garoppolo or Wilson or Fields or, you know, well, you know what's better? A quarterback on a rookie deal. Look how many teams we've seen find that Super Bowl success, get to a Super Bowl because they've got a quarterback on, on one of those deals and they can spread the dollars around elsewhere. I've seen you talk about it on different shows, your rankings. I think we'd all be in agreement. Mac Jones would be pretty nuts, right, at pick three, given what they gave up. And I, I think so. I think so. Although, like, I've been working the draft when crazy things happened, you know, Um I'm not saying it wouldn't be – it'd be crazy on draft night, but I'm just talking about the football fit given what they'd be passing on in Justin, even Trey yeah, Lance, the I, talent. I, I right? agree with that. I, and I like Mac, you know, and th- this is what always – I will tell you guys, I, I don't <laughs> – I love talking with you. I don't love these type of conversations, though, because it always sounds like you're tearing one I know, down. you're bad-mouthing you're guys. down a player – you know, like I love Zach Wilson. I love Trey Lance. They've got great skills. But when you've got to compare them, there are differences. Um, Mac, I, I love Mac's game. You talk about a guy that has unbelievable touch and anticipation. It's Mac Jones, right? Like he, in large part, is what made Waddle and Smith tick because they, they were so dynamic because because the ball was in the right spot at the right time. That, to me, is kind of a bottom-line proposition. When I watch quarterbacks play, it, it really comes down to their their effectiveness and efficiency comes down to is the ball on time and on target. Because if the ball is on time and on target, it's generally not getting turned over. And there's an opportunity, at least, for a play that's bigger than the one that that is just there at the catch point. So um, Mac does a great job on time and on target. But, yeah, I, I just don't – I don't expect – I don't expect that he would be in the running at three. Got agreement here. And hope. And hope. And hope. <laughs> also, what's this? What do you what do you what do you sense? There we go. Guys, you you're breaking out the good stuff now. Yes. Those are like he calls them the. I think they're Muay Thai fighting sticks. Oh, okay. And listen, I think he has them so that I don't step out of line. <laughs> Let's be honest. What, what's the Those What's the biggest? I, I mean, you guys have done so many games, but w- has there been like one that stands out above the rest of them? I know there's a pretty. I guess the the uh, Red River Shootout this year was pretty nuts, but it feels like that's nuts that was every a great year. Game. That game yeah, it wasn't like seven overtimes. That, that game deserved a, f- a full house. I was so sick to my stomach after the game that we were that there wasn't a full Cotton Bowl. That game would have been bonkers. That would have been one of the great games in that in that rivalry's history if that stadium would have been full. But it yeah. lost its luster because it seemed like it was a state championship high school game. You know, like. Um, I literally, I was literally sick to myself. I was, I was dejected after the game, knowing what I had just witnessed and and what it would have been like in a regular environment. Um, that one certainly stands out, and I think that's actually the the best I've ever heard Gus. Um, 
ever. And I've told him that I, I thought that that was his best call that I've ever had with him. And we're this year, by the way, is going to be, I believe we've done like 92 games together. So this year we're going to oh, hit the century mark, which not a lot of guys get to do, by the way, you know, I mean, guy, as you know, like we generally bump around and work with a thousand different guys. Gus and I are going to work our hundredth game together this year. Um, and so I think I'm certainly very fortunate and and blessed to have that opportunity. I think that game certainly comes to mind. And then the first time I ever was in the booth with him and he went full Gus, I'll always remember that. It was just, I, I hate to say it was a nondescript game, but it was Jared Goff's senior year at Cal. And we were doing a game Cal at Texas. And Texas was fledgling. Gerard Hurd was their quarterback that night. But, you know, I, I right before the play, I was like, I was like, the linebackers stay wide, you know, like watch out for the quarterback draw. And sure enough, they run the draw. And he, you know, he's like, hey, and he goes absolutely bonkers. And I'm sitting there watching it and the hair on my arms rises because I'm like, man, there's, I've heard this sitting on my couch you know, so many times, whether it was the NCAA tournament or even, you know, games that he had called. And now I'm sitting there and I get to be a part of it. And uh, so I'll always remember that one. And then, yes, Red River this last year. And and to be honest, I'll always remember every single Michigan-Ohio State game we do. That game is just different, boys. I mean, whew, yeah. it's so good. Texas missed an extra point in that game, by the way. Can we go ahead and pencil you in for Oregon at Ohio State week week two? Or maybe pen. Um, I don't know. I because the way that the draft works, you guys know that we just draft games back and forth between ESPN and yeah. us. We always have the the first pick in the Big Ten. Well, the first pick is Michigan Ohio State. The second pick usually is always Penn State's whiteout game, which is okay. either Michigan or Ohio State at Penn State, which is the reason we've never done a whiteout game. Okay. So this year, I don't know what they're going to do because I don't know if they're going to take the whiteout game, if they're going to take Oregon, Ohio State. There's so many great games in the Big Ten, by the way. You have Wisconsin, Notre Dame. You have Auburn, Penn State. You've got Washington, Michigan. Like, there's going to be a lot of those. Um, But it's safe to say that I will do at least four, probably five Ohio State games. (laughs) Well, Fox can't wait either. (laughs) They love those bad boys. And maybe a 9 a.m. kickoff at uh, USC or something like that. I do do think to just, again, I'm just not trying to overreact to social media, but if you look at Lane and he matured after he got fired, a little Sark just watching the stuff they're doing at Texas. Clearly their staff's really good. We know how well he recruited when he was at Washington and USC. It does feel like, I don't know if they're going to be like Lincoln Riley powerhouse, but it feels like they're going to take a step and be a little more relevant than maybe they've been. Is that fair to say? I think that's very fair. And he's, I mean, you saw a couple of those recruits that he got. It was like, bam, bam. And I'm like, okay, that's the name of the game. You know, right? I mean, listen, if you're recruiting yeah. at a high level, then, then you're going to be successful. Um, it certainly feels that way, John. I, I, I believe Steve's going to do really well. Um, I was trying, I, I was almost successful. You know, I wanted him at Colorado when Mel Tecker left 
I thought and, you were just going to say you were going to join him as offensive coordinator in Texas or something. <laughs> Wasn't the job that take? <laughs> no, guys, nobody wants – no one wants me to coach. Trust me. I, I All I can do is talk. Um, but a guy I've gotten to know fairly well because he lives out here in the offseason is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was really high on Sark after his time with him at Atlanta. And I think, listen, if Sark has the guardrails around his life, then I think that he's going to be really successful because he's always been very successful as a football coach. And then when, when he got, you know, a little wonky outside of football, it started to seep in. So I think that uh, he's in a good spot and I think that he's going to do really well. Joel, we'll let you go pack for uh, Ohio state. Yeah. Enjoy. I wore my Navy shirt today because I certainly am not going to be able to wear it uh, on the trip. How about Joel Klatt, by the way, going out to uh, Ohio State in, in April? Is that, was, that just the, was that just the Justin Fields uh, power pod? It was, with a little Trey Lance and Mac Jones and uh, Zach Wilson mixed in. I think we started the week. I, I know I kind of proclaimed. I felt like Trey Lance was going to be the guy by the end of the week guy. If that, you know, in debate class, I never was in debate class, but I always heard about it. You know, you try to, like, influence the judges or whatever. I, I feel like I'm leading fields now. If you had, if you put a gun to my head or said life savings gets – you had to put it somewhere, yeah. I think I would lean fields. Are you not open-minded to the possibility that Kyle maybe is leaning one way but has not made a final determination that, that John Beck will be the one to make that call? <laughs> <laughs> I do believe the moment they made the trade, they had the guy circled. I am open to belief that they've just had some open dialogues over this last month, really diving in to what kind of feels now between a Lance Fields horse race with Mac kind of trailing. Yeah, it could be Fields because has has Beck been Lance's QB coach longer than the Niners have had the third pick? Maybe a I little think, longer. I, I think the same time. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So maybe there is some new information for them coming in on Lance here that they weren't going to try and you know let people know that they were pursuing until they got to number three. I do think, and listen, you're paid a lot of money. You were injured, so you don't have any room to bitch and moan. But we're all humans, and I don't care who you are. Like You can't tell me that people aren't forwarding Jimmy some of these pictures of just Kyle and Fields and Kyle with Lance, I'm sure, come Monday. like It's got to be a little bit of a jolt. I, I Listen, you can go like, you're going to get paid, you're going to get traded, you're going to get to start wherever, but I, it, it's got to be pretty eye-opening couple months for Jimmy, man. I guess not even a couple months, right? Ever since that moment that trade made, and they said, the one thing Kyle and John are always good about is being candid about it. Like, we told we called Jimmy right, right away, and right. we told him, like, yeah, he was pissed off. You know, like, right. a lot of teams wouldn't, like, Belichick would never give you that. He'd be like, yeah, I keep things in-house. The Eagles would <laughs> in-house. The, the Niners are good. Like, yeah, we called Jimmy and he was yep. fucking pissed. Yep. Well, do you think you get more angry the more pics you see of like them basically holding hands with these guys? I mean, well, I, yeah, I think the thing you wonder is like, wait, they said I'm staying around this year, but like, did they tell him that part? Like, Jimmy, we're going to tell everybody we're not trading you, but we are going to trade you? No, because that would go. Of out. course you don't tell him that part. So he's watching this part going, wait a second. That other thing they said about me sticking around, though, am I buying that? You know, you, we, yeah, we tell you, but we don't tell you till it's done. Like, we don't give you a, three month heads up on what we're going to do right here'd be the good part uh i don't know I, I know you have but anyone listening if you just google some of the home prices in the suburbs around the greater bay area if jimmy bought in 17 hmm. 
and Jimmy wouldn't have been buying some cheap place. Let's say he bought a one point five two million dollar home. There's a chance that home's worth four million. So even if he gets traded, he's gonna he's gonna double his investment. That's true. Good pod, everybody. Thanks for hanging. Uh, mailbag coming up live on the YouTube on Friday. May the peace be with you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.